So how have you heard the Lord speak to you in your life over the years? What did it sound like? What was that experience like? Maybe you heard the Lord speak to you in, in a clear, booming voice. Maybe it was a, a gentle nudge uh, that you maybe had a hard time hearing, uh, just in the quietness of your own heart. How have you heard the Lord speak to you over your life? Uh, before I was a Christian, when I was a teenager, I was experiencing a lot of hurt in my life, a lot of sorrows over uh, past experiences and whatnot. And in those days, my, my mom had just become a Christian herself, and she would come to me and she would open up the scriptures and share certain passages with me that she thought would, would minister to my soul. Now, being a, a, a teenage boy, I pretended like they weren't softening my soul, and I presented a very hard, cold exterior to her, but inside, the Lord was, was speaking to me. He was... Um, rattling me, quite honestly. He was speaking to me through my mother, through the words of the scriptures. The light of Christ was like a heat lamp on the cold heart <laughs> that I had. He was warming me and softening me, much in the ways in which we wish we could be under a heat lamp right now these days, right? <laughs> Literally. But eventually, I was led to a life with God, a life of faith, of repentance, of pursuit of him by his grace and by the power of his Holy Spirit. Well, right now we're in the season of Epiphany. And this is a season in which we celebrate the light of Christ spreading to all nations. Because ours is the God of mission. He is the initiator. He is the one who's created a plan and a way to, to reconcile and restore men, women, and children back into relationship with him. And then he invites us to participate with him in that mission in that beautiful calling. And so he's constantly calling people to himself, building up a new community, a new family of people under him, our Father. Now, if you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, then I have a question for you, and that's, are you open? Are you open to hearing from God? Are you open to the idea that there is a God of the universe who has created humanity to be bearers of his image and, and yet we, we were broken. We, we subjected ourselves to sin and suffering and death but he in his grace has redeemed us. He's, he washes us and he invites us into a relationship with him and he wants to speak to us. Are you open to that? Now, for those of you who are believers, my charge to you would be to find some time this week uh, with your loved ones, with your families. Perhaps it's on your ride home after church today. Maybe it's during small group this week, but find some time to, to share some stories of moments in which you've sensed God speaking to you, guiding you. Again, that can look a million different ways. All of our callings are, are, are different, right? Um, so how, how might that be in your life? Well, this is the theme of the passages that we have this morning in our lectionary. We hear in, God, in John's gospel, we hear Jesus calling Philip and Nathaniel, and Jesus says to them, you are about to see heaven torn open, and you're going to see uh, angels descending and ascending on me, the Son of Man. We also hear the psalmist just uh, celebrating and, and, and just um, crying out in, in joy, in exuberant joy, over the voice of God. Well, today I want us to look at our Old Testament passage, this, this ancient and beautiful passage of Samuel, the child, hearing the word of God. 
Because God was then, is now, and always will be in the business of wooing people into relationship with himself. That is what he does. That is what he yearns for. That's what he desires. So the question I think that we have to ponder this morning is, are we listening? Are you listening? Am I listening? Are we listening to God? Can you hear him? So I want to walk us through this passage in in three scenes, and I want to highlight some ways in which it can also be guiding us in the here and now. So are you familiar with the story from Samuel? If you haven't read it in a while, I encourage you to, to maybe spend some time in that book. Um, it was a delight this, uh, this week, just spending some extra time reading uh, chapters one and two leading up to this. It's, it's just a beautiful, tender, real and relevant story. But let's, uh, we don't have time to go into all the details, of course, this morning, but let's start with uh, talking about Eli. Uh, Eli is an old priest at the temple in Shiloh, and he's got two sons, and the Bible doesn't mince words. The Bible says that his two sons are worthless men. It's like, oof, that's, that's harsh. But I think it's a just judgment. They were quick to claim, uh, as, as priests uh, serving under their father, who was a priest, they were quick to claim the best parts of people's sacrifices for themselves. They kind of engaged in this trickery to, to get that, to get the best parts of the sacrifices for themselves. But also, they used their power and their status uh, to, to seduce women in the area. And so they had these reputations across Israel as being absolute scoundrels, and understandably so. And Eli, he, yes, he would call them out, but he never really carried out any consequences towards them. He, they were just kind of veiled threats. He, he never really held their feet to the fire. He never did anything that would cause his sons to change their course. So that's Eli. Then there's also Samuel. Now, as a way of expressing her gratitude for Samuel's miraculous birth, Samuel's mother, Hannah, she dedicated him to the service of the Lord in God's temple. And again, we could go on about just the, the nature of how she was, Hannah was, was barren and she, she cried out to God for a son and Eli the priest blessed this prayer and she conceived, she gave birth to Samuel. So that brings us to our, our passage at hand. The Bible tells us that the people had low expectations to hear from God. We're told that the word of the Lord was rare in those days now, we don't know how old Samuel is in this passage. We know that he's at least been weaned, which in that ancient culture may have been two, three, four years old. The Bible calls him a boy, so he's probably not a teenager. He's not a young man, so he's also able to have challenging, hard conversations. So I'm, I'm wondering if maybe he's eight or maybe 12 years old, Karis. What do you think? How old was Samuel? 13, maybe? Nah, that's, that's too old. I think he was about your age. Um, well, it was evening, and Samuel was laying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Did you catch that when it was read this morning? The ark represents the presence of God. Uh, when it was constructed, it, the, the, it, it's constructed of gold, and the, the top lid of the ark is called the mercy seat, above which is when the presence of God would, would appear and would speak to the great high priest who would only be able to come into the room where the ark was once a year on the Day of Atonement. And this is when God would speak to his people. 
And the law forbid anyone from entering into that space, into the holy of holies where the ark was, except for the high priest, on the day of atonement. So it's a little odd in this passage to hear that there's a child sleeping near the ark of God. But there's no hint of judgment in this passage, is there? There's, there's no hint of condemnation in this passage. And I just love this picture because we have this image of the boy Samuel wanting to be near the presence of God. So several weeks ago, uh, our bishop was here. How many of you were here when, when Bishop Ken was here? All right, a handful of you. So you, you know, probably know the story I'm about to share. He did something that made my heart race. Uh, it was pretty nerve-wracking uh, during, the sur- during the worship service. I hope I presented calm, you know, like I'm, I'm okay right now. But inside, my heart was just like, bum, 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 bum. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? So during the Eucharistic prayers, Bishop Ken invited all of the children up into the, uh, the upper chancel here to stand around him. And then he, he invited them to do what he did. Uh, to, uh, and he handed them the communion elements, the bread, the wine, the chalice of wine, the trays of juice. And he said, when I lift these up, I want you to lift them up. And if you see me doing something, I want you to do that. And my heart just started racing, right? Uh, it was, um, yeah, my, my, my palms especially got sweaty when I saw him hand one of the gold chalices to a young child, and I fill those chalices up. You probably don't see this because it's elevated quite a bit, but I fill those chalices up quite a bit. And so when I saw this, this sweet little child just hold up the chalice and I saw the wine sloshing left and right, and in my imagination, I started thinking to myself, all right, the, the towels, there's some towels here. There's, there's some in the sacristy. If this, you know, she spills this, it's probably going to clang on the ground, and then wine's just going to shoot into the air. It's going to go everywhere, and these children are going to go home smelling like alcohol, and, you know, it'll be very, what a strange church, right? Um, so this is all happening uh, in my imagination. Now, nothing was spilled. Nothing had fallen. But what would have happened uh, if that had occurred? It would have been fine. It would have been fine. We would have cleaned it up. We would have had a story to tell. It would have been a fine morning. Everything would have been okay. After that experience, the little girl who was holding the chalice went to her mother and said, I want to be baptized now. She had an encounter with God. She was near to the presence of God and she met him in that. And I don't mean to imply that this is the holy of holies. I mean, we, we are a, a reverent tradition, and I, and I hope that you sense that. But we have access to this space. You have access to this space. May you be blessed by the presence of God because he's here with us. You know, whenever in the Bible you see children sort of innocently, we'll say the word, infringing upon the reverence of God or the rituals of God's people, they are always blessed. They are always beckoned to come and be with God. In fact, this happens when God takes on flesh and walks among us. The children come to him, and it's, it's the adults, it's the disciples who say, maybe you should keep your space. And, and Jesus says, no, let the little children come to me. And then he turns to the rest of every, he turns to the disciples, to the adults, and he says, unless you become like a little child, you will not enter the kingdom of God. Samuel wants to be near God. He wants to be close to God. That is what we see in this first scene. The young Samuel drawing near to the presence of God.
So in verse 4, the Lord calls out to Samuel. And Samuel, he, he thinks it's Eli at first. He thinks it's the elderly priest calling from the other room. And it kind of makes you wonder if, if this was something that happened regularly. You see, Eli was old. He was, he was going blind. And so who knows how much assistance he needed you know, throughout the day and even into the evening. And so Eli goes to him. Uh, goes, or Samuel goes to Eli. And Eli says, no, no, that's, that's not me. Go back to bed. Go back to bed. And this happens a couple of more times. Until finally Eli has the thought Maybe this is the word of God. Maybe something is happening right now. You see, Eli has the insight to recognize that God might still be at work. And then he advises Samuel. He says, okay, so next time this happens, here's how you can demonstrate that you're paying attention. He advises the young boy. Well, sure enough, the Lord calls out to Eli again, or calls out to Samuel again. He calls out to him, and the Lord says to Samuel that on account of Eli's inability to restrain his sons, that Eli and his household will be punished. There will be consequences for their behavior. Now, this is not an easy message for Samuel to hear, is it? It's no wonder that he has trouble sleeping for the rest of the night For Samuel, this is new information. Eli, he's heard this before, but for Samuel, it's just now hitting him. And so he's carrying this this burden now that his mentor is on the brink of strong judgment. So in this second scene, we hear that Samuel receives the word of the Lord. Now, in the morning... Samuel finally gets up and he starts going about his business and it, it, the text almost seems to imply as if Samuel is avoiding Eli, doesn't it? You know, he's going about his work, he's, he's finding things to do. Well, finally, Eli finds Samuel and he insists on hearing what it is that God said to him. And Samuel tells him everything. The Bible says that Samuel hid nothing from Eli. Do you understand the courage that that must have taken him? What a courageous young boy. I mean, keep in mind who Eli is for Samuel. Eli is his spiritual mentor. Samuel wants to to honor him, and he wants to honor his mother who, who who brought him there. In some ways, Samuel might even, I'm sure he's been told the story of his prayer and how the prayer was blessed by Eli, and so Samuel might even be thinking that Eli, that he owes his, his even existence to Eli, right? So imagine the courage that Samuel must have exhibited. He hides nothing. He shares the difficult story. Now, there's nothing in Samuel's message that Eli did not already know. This is confirming it, though, right? So Eli, he doesn't question Samuel. Eli believes the child. He accepts the reality of the justice and the coming judgment that's coming. So in this third scene, we see that Samuel shares the entirety of God's word. And then we kind of have those final epilogue, that final couple of verses here in this passage. As Samuel grew, the Lord was always with him. In other words, this first encounter that God has with Samuel sets up a pattern for his life. The Lord would speak to Samuel, and the pattern is that Samuel doesn't let any of those words fall to the ground. He is... Uh, he's encouraged by this. He, he shares the fullness of God's word. And so all the way from Dan in the north to Bathsheba in the south, the whole nation recognizes that Samuel is a prophet of the Lord. 
So what do we have to glean from this? How can this guide us in the here and now? Are you creating spaces in your life to hear from God? Are you drawing near to the presence of God? Like Samuel, are you finding those, those quiet, solitary moments to draw near to God? Also, these days, the question for us is not, is God's voice rare or not? Because God has clearly spoken to us. He's spoken to us clearly through his son, the word made flesh, Jesus Christ, who walks among us. Where we, through him, we see the glory of the Father. But also, he's poured his spirit out upon us. He's given us the holy scriptures. And so the question for us is, are, are we listening? Are you listening? Are you engaging in, in patterns and practices to hear more from God? Are you drawing near to him by immersing yourself in his holy scriptures? In immersing yourself in the fellowship of his people? Immersing yourself in the common worship of his uh, in his sanctuary, do you find quiet moments where you can be still before him? There's also good news in this passage for all peoples, right? You're never too young or too old to participate in God's purposes. Samuel was inexperienced. He was small. He was a bit timid, right? But God still used him. And Eli, he has plenty of his own shortcomings, obviously, but God still uses him. Every individual is invited to participate in God's plan. Every individual is invited to listen to the word of God and to apply those to their lives. Now, God's word is not always easy to hear, though, right? And American, the, Amer the story of the American church is filled with examples of what happens when individuals attempt to listen to God in isolation, right? Like weird things happen. <laughs> uh, we can go on and on about that. Listening is a partnership. I think we can glean that from this passage because Samuel and Eli, they both needed each other in this story. The pursuit of God requires a community of God's people. Eli was, even amidst all of his shortcomings, was able to give advice and insight to the boy Samuel. So how are you surrounding yourself with spiritual mentors, with spiritual friends, with truth-tellers, with people who, are, who have the gift of discernment and wisdom? Are you engaging in the community of God's people? Are you forming deep relationships with other brothers and sisters in Christ who you can speak about God's voice and God's word with? So I could go on and on about the opportunities that we're, we're trying to foster here at Restoration, how we, we engage in, in uh, the daily office here in our sanctuary, uh, we have table groups, right, where these are, op these are this is our small group op um, ministry where we pray with one another. We open up the scriptures with one another. We encourage one another. Uh, we spend time listening to God. Uh, Jenny Nichols is hosting this monthly gathering called uh, Practicing Contemplation. And what this is doing, and they actually just met last month uh, to discuss spiritual listening. They'll be meeting again this next Tuesday, and you're invited to come whether you've been before or not. But this is a beautiful time to foster that childlike, holy curiosity that the scriptures call us into. Each week during communion, we have prayer ministers available in the back who would love to pray with you about anything that might be going on in your hearts. Again, this is just a, a, a small sampling of that which we're trying to do here. And these aren't just programs to sort of pass the time with one another. No, these are opportunities to, to, listen, to gather together and to listen to God, to draw close to his presence to try to hear from him.
Because Christian listening always happens in partnership with one another. So I encourage you to avail yourselves of these opportunities. Because brothers and sisters, the word of the Lord is no longer rare. Through the life of Jesus and the gift of his spirit, we now have greater ability now to hear from him than ever. And so may we, the gathered, redeemed people of God, continue to listen to him, Jesus Christ, the one who has paved the way for us, the one who has sacrificed himself upon the cross, atoning for all sin, the one who has come and and torn open the, the way into the holy of holies so that all of us may gain access to God the Father and experience abundant life with him. So may you create spaces to draw near to God the Father by the grace and the love and the power of Jesus Christ, his son. Please pray with me. Lord Jesus, you beckon all of us to come near to God through you, by your blood, Lord Jesus Christ. So Lord, I pray that you would transform our hearts, remove our hearts of stone, Lord. Give us hearts of flesh and give us new eyes, Lord, that we might see you more clearly. Lord, give us spiritual ears that we might hear your voice more clearly, Lord. For our own sake, Lord, but also for the joy and the edification and for the building up of this community, Lord. And not just for this community, Lord, but for the, for the sake of mission, Lord, for the purposes of, of reaching the lost, of sharing the, the good news of your word with, with all those, Lord, who you bring our way. We want to be a place, Lord, where your presence can be encountered. So thank you for meeting us. Thank you for paving a way and giving us uh, entrance into those deep, beautiful places with you. Lord, we love you and it is in your name and for your glory that we pray all of these things. Amen. Amen.